the book of Jonah. There's probably people waiting to tune in on Facebook and wondering why are we getting in so late here. But the book of Jonah, we'll begin in chapter number one. And uh, we're uh, getting ready for Vacation Bible School. Our, one of our lessons for Vacation Bible School is going to be the story of Jonah. And uh, we're going to focus more on the uh, preaching that he did to Nineveh than we are on the first half of the story. But certainly going to tell the story of Jonah. I, one of the amazing truths, I, you look at Jonah, and I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, when I would read the story of Jonah in the Scriptures, or have it told to me. There were times I looked at him and I thought, um, this guy, you know, he was used by the Lord. But you look at him and you kind of shake your head at him and think, boy, what a failure. I mean, this guy from start to finish was a failure. And yet God used him, didn't he? And God even used him to bring this story to the Scriptures. We begin reading in verse number 1, and I want you to look at what the Bible has to say here in a few places over the next two or three chapters here. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this evening and use it to speak to our hearts. Lord, already it's been sweet tonight as we've taken some time to rejoice in you and praise your name. Lord, what a joy it is to love you with all of our hearts, and I pray that you'd help to draw us even closer to you. That as each day goes by, it gets sweeter and sweeter. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and way in this church. Lord, that you'd help us to see fruit for our labors, that we would see folks that would trust you as their Savior. They'd be following you in believers' baptism. They would grow uh, under the ministry of this church in the teaching of your Word. And Father, I pray that you would do a mighty work in this place, that you would send your Holy Spirit's power to enable us to do your work. And Father, we pray that you'll bless the teaching of your Word tonight, and that your Holy Spirit will guide and to direct us and cause our hearts to be open and receptive to the truth that we'll find in these pages tonight. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting to me that as God has need in this world of particular people to do uh, His work, that He doesn't always choose the, the, the obvious choice. Uh, you remember back when the nation of Israel was looking to other nations and seeing that they had kings and rulers. And they came to Moses and they said, other nations have kings, we want a king. And God came through, uh, through I'm sorry, not through uh, Moses, through, uh, uh, my brain is with Samuel, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know why I said Moses. Came through Samuel and began to say uh, uh, that you're going to, if you want a, a king, he's going to be a tyrant. He's going to tax you, he's going to, uh, in, in the scripture, young men into war and uh, take your young ladies to serve in the palace and uh, said that uh, you, you're not really going to like this. But the people demanded it. They continued to say, no, we want, a, we want an earthly king. And so they allowed, the, 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 God allowed the, the nation of Israel to have a king. And the first king they had was King Saul. And if you look about in Scripture, the reason why they chose King Saul as their king, uh, it deals with the fact that he was head and shoulders above 
other men. He was a man of renown. His family was well known and uh, certainly probably a more affluent family, if you would, or a family that was well known. And uh, Saul was not a bad guy until later in his kingdom he began to do some things. But Paul was really a pretty good fellow. Saul was a really good fellow. I'm having a tough time with names tonight. Saul was a really good fellow. And so they made him king of Israel. And, uh, and you remember how that the emphasis on what they were dealing with was on the outward appearance and the outward perception of who Saul was. And we get to this portion of Scripture in Jonah, and it's interesting to me that when God needed somebody to go to Nineveh and to preach to Nineveh and say, you need to repent, you need to get some things right here, that he doesn't look to the outward characteristics of Jonah. And the truth of the matter is, if we look at even his, uh, his actions in this book, we would look at Jonah and say, this guy's a flop. He, he's a failure. And yet God knew that Jonah would be just exactly the right person to do this job. And the fact that, that many times God's ways are different than our ways. He thinks differently than we do. And there are times that he chooses the weak things of the world, the Bible says, to confound the things that are mighty. And he uses sometimes the foolish things to confound the wise. And so we look at this portion of Scripture, and I love the fact that God comes, and he doesn't look for the most talented. He doesn't look for the the national evangelists that the the nation of Israel uh, looked to for time of leadership. He just comes to an ordinary man by the name of Jonah, who for all accounts is just... A failure. He's he's got fear. He's nervous. He's an introvert. Today we would say he has anxiety. We probably have to put him on medication for his depression and all the frailties that he had. If he lived in this day, he probably would have been one of these folks that came up through the school system. Probably had to have uh, counseling and uh, to overcome his depression and the fact that he looked down on himself all the time. And here's a man that literally didn't have a whole lot going for him. And yet in verse number 2, God comes to Jonah. By the way, aren't we glad God comes to us? Every one of us. You say, Brother Greg, I don't have a lot of talents. I don't have a lot that I can offer God. It's never been about what we can offer God. It's always been about what He can offer us. He comes to us. He says, you know, if we ever think we can offer God anything, what's the only thing we have to offer Him? What is it? Our, our what? Our heart, our life. But you know, the Bible says that even the best that we have in our hearts is still nothing more than dirty rags. What do we really have to offer God? We really don't have anything. Not, not of merit. Not anything. And so the very fact that God came to us is an amazing truth. He came to Jonah, this man who, who's a failure. He's, he's full of fear. He's full of frailties. He's full of failures. And he comes to God, or he comes to Jonah in verse number 2, and he says this, Arise, go to Nineveh, watch this, that, what's the next word here? Great city. Can I share something with you this morning, or this evening? God, I need to go back to sleep and come back in here. I get morning, afternoon, Moses and Samuel mixed up. I'm getting everybody mixed up tonight. Can we hit the reset button and start over? But look at verse number two. I love this. God takes some little little man that you've never... If, if it wasn't for this book in the Scriptures, you'd have never heard of Jonah. He's just a nobody. He's somebody that was a failure. He was fraught with fear and frailty and anxiety. 
And God uses him to do something that verse number 2 says was great. I want you to arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Jonah at this point, I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, really? Do you really know me? Do, do you really want me to go, I know Nineveh. Man, that is a great city, God. It is huge. They don't even know me. I'm going to walk in there and say, I'm Jonah. And they're going to say, who? And you want me to go to Nineveh, this great city? Well, I'll go, Lord. And he says, and I want you to cry against it. Whoa, wait a minute, God. I'm Jonah. You remember me? I'm the one who's scared of my own shadow. I can't do anything right. I'm a failure. You want me to cry against this great city? And I learned a valuable truth from this. That God can take the smallest thing and do something great through it. Do we find that in Scripture over and over and over again? Look at Samson. What a failure. Look at David. What a failure. We could even go back and look at Abraham. And when God, God didn't do what he said he was going to do in the time that Abraham thought he ought to do it in, Abraham took matters into his own hands, didn't he? And we look at Abraham and say, what a failure. The truth is, if we went around the room tonight and we began to look at each of our lives, we would have to all say, what a failure. But here's the blessedness of this truth. God can take that and do something great with it, can't he? He tells Jonah, he says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. I want you to cry against it. He says in verse number 2, for the wickedness is come up before me. But, and here we see the great courage. Here we see the great fortitude. Here we see the great character of Jonah as he rises up and he's ready to flee <laughs> to Tarsus. He turns around and he runs, doesn't he, the other direction. And we find the second great truth here. God doesn't give up on him. Oh, my. Aren't you glad tonight that he doesn't give up on us? Because the truth of the matter is we fail him a lot, don't we? There are times he says, I want you to go this way, and we go the other way. <laughs> Lord, not me. You remember me. I'm just little old Greg here. I'm nobody. If I got up and went to the White House and introduced myself to President Trump and said, Hey, I'm Greg, he'd say, Greg who? Nobody knows me. God can do some great things, can't He? And if I fail Him and say, Lord, not me, I'm too shy, I'm too fearful, I'm too, I have too much anxiety, God doesn't give up on us. Aren't you glad of that tonight? We can rejoice in that, can't we? I mean, even a Baptist can holler amen over something like that. We can get excited about the fact that God doesn't give up on us. He gets on a ship. And he's fleeing. He's going down. By the way, somebody said this one time, and I, I know it's just the way that it was worded here, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I believe this book to be a perfect book. And I don't think there's any mistakes about how things are worded in here. But it says that he went down to Tarsus. And by the way, it was in the geographical sense, down. It was going south from that area. But can I tell you this? Anytime we flee from God, it's down. It's never up. We're always falling away from Him, not running to Him when we're fleeing Him. 
This is the type of man that Jonah is. We're not going to take time to read all of the story of the storm. We all have heard that over and over again. How God brings the storm up. The ship is in distress and in peril. Jonah's in the belly of the ship sleeping. They say, what are you doing here? Get up, pray to your God. And Jonah said, guys, there's no need to worry. Because Jonah knew, didn't he? We always know when we flee from God. There's never a Christian that's done something contrary to what God wanted them to do that woke up one morning and was surprised by it. What? What? I went the other direction? I didn't know that. We knew it, didn't we? We knew it. At the moment that we did it, we knew it. That God wanted this, but we chose that. The Christian life is such a simple thing. It's hard, but it's simple. It's a war. It's a battle between our will and God's will. And it's a simple choice every day. Lord, I want what I want, or Lord, I want what you want. And when we make the choice, we know what choice we made, don't we? We're never surprised by it. And Jonah gets up and these men are saying, we're going to perish. What's going on here? And Jonah's not surprised in the least. Nowhere in here do we see him panicking. He very calmly comes to these men. He said, fellas, don't worry about it. He said, I know what's wrong. He said, I'm fleeing from God and God's bringing judgment. He said, here's a simple solution. He said, take me and throw me overboard. The men are worried that they're going to be judged for this and they don't want to do it and they try everything they can. And finally they come to Jonah and said, all right, buddy, you asked for it. And they throw him over. Jonah spends three days in isolation, if you could call it that. And by the way, can I tell you this? When we get alone with God in a quiet place, that's usually where God can do the best work in our hearts, isn't it? It took Jonah getting away from the busyness of, of all the, the places there, Joppa and Tarshish and all these things. It took, it took him getting away from the sound of the crowds. And God put him in a place where there was nothing he could hear, nothing he could see, nothing he could do but put his thoughts upon the Lord Jesus Christ. To think of his God. And Jonah spends three days there doing some introspection beginning to look at his own heart. You see, when Jonah began to flee, he was saying, in essence, God, you are not able to use me. Are we ever guilty of that? Are we ever guilty of the saying, God, you can't use me? I mean, it would take way too much and you're not that strong. To use me. And it took three days for Jonah to realize that with God, all things are possible. God can take somebody like Jonah, who's a failure, who's full of fear, doesn't have anything of, uh, of talent that would cause us to sit up and take notoriety of him. And Jonah, after three days, begins to realize, I see now, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. What you can do. And so God causes the fish to come up and to spew him out. And the Bible says that he was a three days journey from Nineveh. 
You know how long it took Jonah to get there? Anybody know? Three days' journey. How long do you think it took him to get there? Let's look at Scripture, see if we can find it here. Verse number... Um, Oh, let's see here. Let's start in verse number 3. Uh, let's go back up just a little bit. Um, verse number 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish uh, uh, of chapter 2. I'm sorry. Verse number 10 of chapter 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah up on dry land. Dry, dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Look at this. The, what's the next word here? Second time. He's a God of second chances. Saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city. And preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city. What does it say? A day's journey. Jonah went from a man who was timid, a man who was bashful, a man who was fleeing from God's command, to a man with a purpose. I mean, he hit the ground. I, I like to picture him coming out of that fish's mouth, flying through the air, and already his feet are pumping. I mean, he hits the ground, and there he goes. You know why? Because after three days, Jonah realized it does not depend upon Jonah. It depends upon God. But it took him three days to learn that. I'd much rather learn it the easier way, wouldn't you? I don't want to have to be thrown overboard and swallowed by the fish and put in a place where I have nothing to do but put our hearts and our minds on God. I'd much rather willingly come to Him and say, Lord, here am I. I already want to surrender my will and I'll already acknowledge that it's not about me, it's about you. He hits the ground running and I love this as he says in verse number 2, I want you to preach unto the of that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. The very fact that Jonah was to be led by the very word of God himself. <coughs> he gets into the city. The Bible says 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He's preaching. Look what verse 5 says this. And I love this about this. So, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Isn't that an amazing statement? They didn't believe Jonah. They believed what? They believed God. The word that Jonah gave them was not Jonah's word, was it? The message Jonah brought was not Jonah's message. The power that Jonah had in delivering the message was not Jonah's power. The presence of Jonah in the city was not just something the people looked at and said, Hey, there's Jonah. We better listen to him. They looked at Jonah and said, Here's a man that God has his hand on. We better listen to him. And the Bible says in verse 5, So the people of Nineveh believed God, can I tell you this, as much as I enjoy preaching and being your pastor, it's not about believing the pastor. It's about believing God in His Word. Because I'll tell you this, a pastor can be wrong. Amen? <laughs> no, you don't have to amen that too loud. But he can. He can, can't he? But God is never wrong. And when God speaks and when God's message is given, people respond to God, don't they? The city responds to God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth. Look at this. From the greatest of them even to the least of them. Can I tell you and help you with something today? We live in a day where a lot of Christians say, Brother Greg, Pastor, 
the day and age we live, yeah, there's wealthy people out here. They're very self-sufficient. And you know what? It's, it, we, we might as well not even knock on their doors because they're not going to listen to us. They're self-sufficient. But can I tell you this? When we go with God's message, with God's power, God can reach those that are from the highest and the greatest to the least. Well, not be fearful of them. But with great uh, compassion, with great boldness, we ought to go. And we ought to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jonah goes. He's scared. Any of you been there before? How many of you are scared to go up and knock on a door? Like your pastor is. <laughs> How many of you are scared to tell somebody about Christ? You, it's nervous to hand them a track. It, is that anybody else like that? I mean, I'm like that. You go up to a perfect stranger and say, hey, by the way, you're dying and going to hell. God loves you. <laughs> that, that really, that's hard to do, isn't it? We don't say it quite like that. But in essence, that's what we're going to tell them while we're there. And that's hard to do, isn't it? When we think that it's our message. But when we start to realize it's not my message. It's God's message. And it's not, it's not about whether I can do it well or not. It's about whether He can empower me to do it. And I can ask this question. Can He? Can God do that? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So we take God's message, God's way, with God's power. And that's the key. With God's power. And we begin to give it out. And you may give out a hundred of them. And you come back and you say, Brother Greg, I was out and it was 95,000 degrees outside. And I sweat. And I handed out a hundred of them. And we got to church and nobody was there. <laughs> but we don't know what God did in the heart. And they may never sit in this chair, in this pew, in this church. But the seed was sown. And God's Word will begin to do its work. We don't rely on us. We don't rely on getting the results. That's up for God to decide. We simply go in God's power and God's strength. And Jonah preaches, and the Bible says in verse 5, that all of the people of Nineveh, from the greatest even to the least of them, verse 6, for the word of, of chapter 3, for the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him. Now, let me tell you this, to have a king humble himself, it's something that just didn't happen. For a king to get up and take his royal robes off and to lay them to the side, and the Bible says in, uh, from him, and covered him with sackcloth and set in ashes, this just didn't happen. Not over things like this. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry. What's the next word here? Mightily unto the Lord, unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that was in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil, and they said that, uh, that He said He would do uh, unto them, and He did it not. Can I tell you this? Watch this. God takes 
a man who is a nobody, who is full of fear and full of anxiety and full of failure. And God says, Jonah, I just need a vessel that I can do something great with. You don't have to, you don't have, to have great talent. You don't have to have name and, and, and affluence. You don't have to have fame and fortune. You don't have to have all the tools at your disposal. I just simply need a vessel that I can do something great through. And I'm going to take you, and I'm going to send you to a great city. I'm going to have you cry against it. I've preached on this passage before, and I call it the world's greatest evangelist. You know that even Christ in his earthly ministry never went to one town and the entire town got saved. The entire town repented. But Jonah did. The greatest evangelist you'll find in Scripture. The one that came to the town and the entire town, this exceeding great city, this city that was very large, repented because of a Jonah who was willing to go. We look at our city, our county, Jefferson County. I've, in recent days, talked to folks about uh, being in certain places around our county. And some of them say, well, you don't want to go in that area of the county. It is rough over there. There are certain roads that you don't go down because you may go down that road and disappear and never come back. Boy, not this, because, boy, there's certain things, Brother Greg, we just can't, no, no, God can do some things, but, boy, I'll tell you, He can't do those. Oh, yes, He can. God can get the mightiest to the least, can't He? And who does He use? Does He use the, the well-known televangelist, the man who's well-known? Does He bring in the Joel Osteens or some of these guys like that? Who does He use? He just uses Jonas that are willing to say, God, I'm not much. And you may have to knock me upside the head a few times to get my attention. But here I am. And if it's a three days journey, Lord, I'm not going to let it take that long. I'm going to give you all I've got. Jonah comes in. He cries against the city, God's message. And the entire city, that great city, Repents. The question tonight, can we relate to this? We, we could, some of us probably could raise our hands and say, Brother Greg, I'm a Jonah. I'm full of fear. I have failed. I'm a flop. I, I really, I don't know why in the world God would ever even want to ask me to do this. Because the truth of the matter is, I can't. And if he asks me, I'm probably going to run away from it and say, <laughs> I just can't do it. It's just too much. But we need to get to a point where we realize it's not about us, is it? It's all about him. It's all about what he can do through you. God can take a Jonah. And God can do extraordinary things through him. We've got a lot of things on the schedule for our church this year. Things that I believe God wants us to do. We have a vacation Bible school coming up. We have a men's advance coming up, a men's retreat coming up. We've got things that are going on. We've got a, a, a walk-through-time ministries conference coming up in the fall. We've got all these things that are coming up 
we've got a world that's out here. We've got a county that's out here that's lost. I was talking to a pastor yesterday, not a, not a Baptist church, but a church that does preach salvation at least, and I thank the Lord for that. They're different than we are, and I understand that. I was talking to him yesterday, and I, I bumped into him, and I said, you know, the truth of the matter is if we counted all the people that every body that sat in a church this weekend in Jefferson County that preaches salvation, we're not even reaching 1% of our county. Some estimates say that there could have been as much as 250 or 300,000 people in the city of Nineveh at this time. We have about 240, 60,000 people, I believe, in Jefferson County as the whole, the whole Jefferson County. And one person with God's power came in and the entire city of all of those people repented because of God's power. Let me ask you a question tonight. Can God enable us to reach all of Jefferson County? Every one of them? Can he? He sure can. It's going to take some Jonas that say, you know what, I need to get alone with God. And I need to realize that God can take something as weak and frail as me and he can do something great through it. I just got to simply say, yes, Lord. I'm ready. I'm encouraged when I read stories like this in Scripture because the truth of the matter is I know me. And I know how bad I feel, God. And I know that you could sit there tonight and say the same thing. I know, I know me. I know me. But God can use me. He's a God of second chances and thirds and fourths if we're willing. Let's stand together. Father, we're thankful for your word. Lord, I love this story of Jonah. There's certainly a lot of truth in it. I pray that you'll use this, Lord. We are so burdened for our county and our cities. Lord, there's so many lost that we pass by on a day's time. So many people to reach. Lord, there's a hardness there sometimes that, uh, truth be told, Lord, we become fearful approaching people. We get to the point where our hearts begin to tremble, we begin to shake, we begin to fear in our hearts that we're not up to the task. We begin to question, Lord, why me? Why are you using me? I, I can't. I, I stumble, I stutter, I, I'm nervous in front of people, I can't talk to people. Lord, we come up with all the excuses in the book why we can't do anything. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to realize that if we'll simply be willing, you can do great things through us. You can take someone as insignificant as Jonah was, and you can cause him to be used mightily. Lord, that gives me hope in my heart. I hope it gives those that are here tonight hope in their hearts that you can take somebody like us, Lord, we could literally see revival come to the, entire, the entirety of Jefferson County. Lord, with your power, we could see things that even as we say the words, as we're praying tonight, some 
in their hearts, their minds, their hearts think, oh no, there's no way we could ever do that. But Lord, the truth of the matter is you can do it if we're willing, if we're yielded to you, if we're following you. Lord, I pray that you would give us the confidence, the ability to have boldness to do your work. Father, use us, I pray, to accomplish what you would have done in these last days. We're going to have just a hymn of invitation tonight, just a verse or two. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit will do a work (coughs) in our hearts. And Lord, that he would allow us to at least begin the journey of drawing near to you and submitting our lives to you wholeheartedly. We pray in Jesus' name.